Let's open our Bibles, please, to the book of Revelation, chapter 8. And we got down to verse 5. In verse 1, we had a silence in heaven. We said this was a calm before the storm of coming judgment. In verse 2, we have the seven angels that were ready to uh, blow the seven trumpets and bring these seven messages of judgment that were about to come upon the earth. And in verse 3, we have the angel priest. And we believe, most people believe, that that to be the Lord Jesus Christ. And we gave you four references, seven, two, 8, 3, 10, 1, and 18, 1, where you have other visions of Christ Himself or uh, the fact that He is active in all of these things that take place in the book of Revelation. And we dealt with the uh, third verse that had to do with the prayers of the saints offered up as sweet incense. And no one but Christ can be our great high priest. In verse 4 it says much the same, continues the thought of the incense. And in verse 5 it says, And the angel took the censer and filled it with fire of the altar and cast it into the earth, a fire symbolical of judgment and also these other things. And so it's judgment upon the earth and there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake. And all of this represents God bringing judgment in various forms upon the earth. This is during the tribulation period. The saints of God of this day and age are already with the Lord in heaven. And so here you have this scene in heaven and these judgments coming upon the earth. And they begin to be unloosed at the sounding of these trumpets. These seven trumpets. Then later we'll have uh, the last three of these trumpets carry with them a great intensity of judgment. And we'll see that in the last verse of this chapter. And then we get into seven vials or bowls of wrath that will come in later on. So there's seven, seven, seven. We have a lot of sevens in this book, symbolical of perfection or completion. And uh, as we had the seven spirits of God indicating earlier the perfection of Christ and the Spirit of God, we have now the seven judgments uh, speaking of the completeness of the judgments of God upon the earth that will come upon the earth. During the tribulation period, the saints of God are already gone. Uh, the, the tribulation has begun in chapter 6, verse 1, and Jesus opened the first seal of the scroll to open up and reveal what was going to take place and what is future after the church age. All of this is after the church age. From chapter 6, at least, well, from chapter 4 on, but chapter 4 and 5 have to do with the glorified saints and the scene before the throne of God. But chapter 6 begins the judgments. All the way through to chapter 19, we have judgments coming upon the earth. It's good if you get a kind of a foreview of these things and uh, realize that John has all of these things exposed to him as he opens all these seals. And uh, he has to uh, write about and understand each and every one of these things that uh, that are given to him. So, 
to say that they're all in chronological order, we cannot say that. It's just like if you and I have a story to tell about four or five different things, we might be telling one part of the story and we say, well, now, you know, this ties in with this part of the story. So we tie, tie in another part of the story and then we come back to this first part we're talking about and we intermingle all of those things of the four or five stories that we're telling uh, at one time. And that's what John is doing here. He's not saying this happened and then this happened and this happened and this happened. Though we do have a sequence of the angels sounding their trumpets. Uh, we don't see that uh, there's an end to what takes place because it continues throughout the tribulation period, these things that we're talking about. Even though the announcement or the message comes through the sounding of the trumpet and certain things happen when the trumpet sounds, but there's a continuation of judgments all the way through. Now then, uh, let's pick up with verse uh, 6. It says, And the seven angels which had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. After this great silence, now is the time for the storm to come. The, the time of silence and calm before the storm we saw in verse 1, didn't we? But now is the time for these judgments to begin. And in verse 7 it says, The first angel sounded. He sounded his trumpet. And there followed hail and fire mingled with blood. And they were cast upon the earth. And the third part of the trees was burnt up. And all the green grass was burnt up. Now this is a parallel with the seventh plague on Egypt back in the book of Exodus. If you turn to Exodus chapter 9, let me turn and read it for you. Exodus chapter 9, beginning with verse 18. It says, Behold, tomorrow about this time I will cause it to rain a very grievous hail, such as has not been in Egypt since the foundation thereof, even till now. It says, Send therefore now, and gather thy cattle, and all the... Thou hast in the field, for upon every man and beast which shall be found in the field and shall be not be brought home, the hail shall come down upon them and they shall die. He that feared the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh made his servants and his cattle to flee uh, into the houses. And he that regarded not the word of the Lord, the man that feared the word of the Lord took precaution, didn't he? And he that regarded not the word of the Lord left his servants and his cattle in the field. That was a big mistake. And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch forth thine hand toward heaven, that there may be hail in all the land of Egypt upon man and upon beast and upon every herb of the field. Remember, this was God's judgment upon Pharaoh and upon the Egyptians who had mistreated his uh, people and would not let them go as he had declared that they should. Uh, upon every herb of the field throughout, all, uh, throughout the land of Egypt. Verse 23, And Moses stretched forth, his rod toward heaven, and the Lord sent thunder and hail, and the fire ran along upon the ground. And the Lord rained hail upon the land of Egypt, so that there was hail and fire mingled with the hail, very grievous, such as there was none like it in all the land of Egypt since it became a nation. And the hail smote throughout all the land of Egypt, all that was in the field, both man and beast. And the hail smote every herb of the field, and break every tree of the field." Now then, 
Verse 26 is very important. It says, Only in the land of Goshen, where the children of Israel were, was there no hail. I like that last verse. You know what it means? It means that God uh, sent His protection upon His own children in the midst of this catastrophe, in the midst of this tragedy. It meant that uh, uh, He distinguished between His own and those who were not His own. God has even this day made a distinction between His people and those who are not His people. Remember Jesus in, the, in His great high priestly prayer in John chapter 17 made a distinction. And you know what He said in John chapter 17? Jesus said, I pray not for the world. Listen, He died for the world, didn't He? I pray not for the world, but for those that Thou hast given Me out of the world. So he made a distinction between those that uh, were not yet saved and those that were already saved. And back there he made a distinction. We could go on and read other of the judgments that came upon Pharaoh, upon the children of Israel. Uh, One of them that the children of Israel had light in their dwellings when God sent darkness upon Pharaoh and upon all the land and there was a great darkness and there were ten plagues of judgment that were sent. But back in Revelation, hold your place where we're studying, please. But in Revelation chapter 8 and verse uh, 7, we find that this uh, hail and fire mingle with blood. And they were cast upon the earth, and the third part of the trees was burnt up, and all green grass was burnt up. Now then, some have said that this judgment that came upon the earth really came upon the restored Roman Empire, and I'm not going to argue with it because there are indications if you study the book of Daniel that the Roman Empire is restored and we know judgment does fall upon them. But I believe that there's a literal. We can say that these judgments are literal and yet in the midst of all the literal judgments that take place, there is an underlying judgment that comes upon nations and men and kingdoms that you can see through it. Though the judgment fell upon uh, the the earth, and these literal things happened, yet we know that the kingdoms and the people were affected uh, politically, uh, socially, nationally, or otherwise. And we'll find a little bit more of that as we read the next judgments that come along. By the way, if you'll notice the trees and the green grass being burnt up, the trees... And the green grass are symbolical of, uh, you might say, commercial prosperity. Agricultural and commercial prosperity. You know, if the trees are burnt up and the green grass is burnt up and all the, the fields are affected and the timbers affected and the things like this are affected, it has a uh, uh, commercial effect. And an agricultural effect. So uh, there's a lot of things involved here. But now let's notice the second trumpet in verse 8. And the second angel sounded. And I want you to notice these next three little words. If you're looking at your Bible, and by the way, it pays to look at your Bible. Because there's something about seeing these words for yourself that's better than me saying them. Now look. And the second angel sounded, and as it were, you see that? As it were, or like, as it were, like a great mountain. It was like a mountain, burning with fire, was cast into the sea. 
So here you have a symbolical meaning. And the third part of the sea became blood. And in this second trumpet, you have the destruction of a great kingdom. Mountains in the scripture, and I'll give you some references, uh, are symbolical of, of, uh, of kingdoms or governments or powers or nations. And let me give you four references, and we might look at two or three of them. One especially, but I'll give you all four of them. Isaiah 2 verse 2. You might just jot them down if you want to. Zechariah 4 verse 7. Psalm 46 verse 2. And Jeremiah 51 verse 25. Uh, Isaiah 2 verse 2. Zechariah 4 verse 7. Psalm 46 2. And Jeremiah 51 25. I want to take Psalm 46 verse 2 the, at first. Psalm 46 verse 2. Because it says, Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. So, when these tragedies, the, the reason I cited this verse first is because that you and I, as God's children, when there are great upheavals of the, of the universe, or if there are upheavals of governments, as we'll see the mountain represents in a moment, whatever, we do not need to fear. It says, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with a great swelling thereof, there is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, uh, the holy place in, of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her, she shall not be moved. And we could go on and on. And show the peace that comes to God's children in the midst of the storms. But now let me give you Isaiah chapter 2, verse 2. It says this, And it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain... Now I want you to notice the wording. Isaiah 2, verse 2. That the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains. So it's speaking here of the kingdom, of God's kingdom, of Judah and Jerusalem. That this uh, proves the, that uh, Jerusalem shall be exalted. The exalted status of Jerusalem. Uh, settling all international controversies. If we read verses 2 and 3, it says, The mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains, verse 2, and shall be exalted above the hills, the smaller uh Nations and all nations shall flow into it, and many people shall go and say, Come ye, and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord. See, the mountain of the Lord. To the house of the God of Jacob. This is Jerusalem being exalted above other places. Uh, and He will teach us of His ways, and we will walk in His paths. For out of, look, out of Zion shall go forth the law. See, governments and cities and nations have laws. And out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. So it will be God's law. But I want you to get the thought of the mountain. Now then, if you come uh, to uh, Zechariah 4 verse 7, I'll give you this one. It says, Who art thou, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel? It's speaking in those days in the book of Zechariah of the mountain as a kingdom. Who art thou, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel? Thou shalt become a plain. And you could go on and on and read. But then the last and one I believe is the most direct reference that you have is, not Isaiah, but Jeremiah 51, verse 25. If you don't have any of the others, 
though they have a great deal of meaning, and there are many more. But especially remember Jeremiah 51, verse 25. And let me give you that one. Jeremiah 51, verse 25. It says, Behold, I am against thee, O destroying mountain, saith the Lord, which destroyeth all the earth. Or this nation, or this kingdom. Babylon here is indicated back in Jeremiah. And by the way, the Babylon of the future is indicated in the book of Revelation. So you have a real connection. But here it says, Behold, I am against thee, O destroying mountain, saith the Lord, which destroyeth all the earth. And I will stretch out mine hand upon thee, and roll thee down from the rocks, and will make thee a burnt mountain. Isn't that what it says in Revelation chapter uh, 8 and verse 8? And the second angel sounded, and as it were, a great mountain burning with fire was cast into the sea, and the third part of the sea became blood. So there were real, physical, and uh, direct earthly uh, phenomena, uh, things that happened in judgment upon the earth, earthly judgments, and yet in the midst of that there were kingdoms that were affected by it and thrown down by what God was doing. And now if you look at the next verse, the third, the third. well, let's read verse 9. And the third part of the creatures which were in the sea di- uh, and had life died. Now, I want you to notice that was a physical death. It may be symbolical of the souls that will be taken down when this great kingdom falls. But also, it says in the last part of verse 9, and the third part of the ships were destroyed. So you see the commerce is affected. When you have the third part of the ships destroyed, you have uh, not only physical things like the, uh, the life of, of souls, the third part of the creatures which were in the sea and had life died, uh, the creation of God is affected, and the third part of the ships were destroyed, so the commerce is affected. So you have all kinds of things that are being affected by these judgments that are coming upon the earth. And when you see verse 10 now, it says, And the third angel sounded, and there fell a great star from heaven, burning as it were. Now notice, when you come across that as it were, you have a a likeness. It's, It's like something. As it were a lamp, and fell to the third part of, fell upon the third part of the rivers, and upon the fountains of waters. And the name of the star, so God individualizes this particular one. And his name, and the name of the star is called Wormwood. And the third part of the waters became Wormwood, and many men died of the waters because they were made bitter, or they were poisoned. Now then, there's a lot of things that we might read into this, but I want you to see especially that uh, sometimes in the Scripture a star represents a personality. This possibly could be the fall of a great religious leader during that particular time and bringing uh, poisonous waters or false teaching to cause uh, uh, souls to be destroyed and, and the destruction is pictured here. I want you to look back at, uh, at the book of Jeremiah 9 verse 15. Jeremiah 9, verse 15, and you'll see. Well, let me read two verses. Let me read chapter 8. Chapter 8, verse 14, and 9, verse 15. In Jeremiah. 
Jeremiah 8, verse 14. It says, Why do we sit still? Assemble yourselves and let us enter into the defense cities and let us be silent there. Now listen. For the Lord our God hath put us to silence and given us water of gall. Gall is poison. Water of gall to drink because we have sinned against the Lord. Now in this case, God used uh, wicked nations and other ones to correct His own people in the book of Jeremiah. And it says, though God would not directly give them water of gall, God would use wicked nations to cause them to be uh, judged in this way. And then when you read chapter 9 in this book of Jeremiah, verse 15, it says, Therefore, thus saith the Lord God of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will feed them, even this people, with wormwood. Now you have that same word that we used in the book of Revelation. With wormwood and give them water of gall to drink. So you have 9 verse 15 is a direct relation or a reference to what we're talking about. So you see in Revelation chapter 9 now, I mean chapter 8 now and verse 11, the one we just read. Look at that again. And the name of the star is called Wormwood. So God used some great religious leader to poison these waters or the false teachings. It represents water. Let me, let me give you this. The Bible says the, the Word of God is compared to water. So then if you have water of gall, you have poison water, right? So if the Word of God is... The Bible says, the washing of water by the Word. Wherewith shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy Word. So cleansing comes from the water of the Word of God. And the washing of water by the Word in the book of Ephesians, I believe it's chapter 5, we're told about. The washing of water by the Word. So, and there are other references that shows this, that water is symbolical of the Word of God whereby we are cleansed. And here, if you have water uh, spoken of here in such a fashion as to be poison, you know that the poison uh, of, of some false teaching is coming through some religious star or individual that has fallen. And the people have been made to drink of these waters Now, look at verse 11 again. With these thoughts in mind, the name of the star is called Wormwood. And the third part of the waters became Wormwood. And many men died of the waters because they were made bitter. Many men died. I believe that the death of of souls really is in view more than the death individually of, of people. Because... Men's souls are poisoned by false teaching so that they uh, are spiritually dead and they have no chance to be saved by the truth of God's Word and by the washing of water by the Word, by the true Word of God that is to be preached. Now then, if you look at verse 12, here's the fourth trumpet. And the fourth angel sounded, and the third part of the sun was smitten, and the third part of the moon, and the third part of the stars, so that... So as the third part of them was darkened, and the day shone not for a third part of it, and the night likewise. The sun and the moon and the stars. 
Jesus speaks of this. Turn in Matthew's Gospel, if you will, please. Chapter, uh, let's see, 24. Matthew 24. And verse 29. And Jesus is talking about the tribulation of those days. In Matthew 24, verse 29, it says, Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. He speaks of this very thing happening in the tribulation days that he's talked about all through the 24th chapter, even down to this point. And that's going to happen before Christ comes, because the next verse in Matthew's Gospel, it says, And then shall appear... It doesn't mean immediately then, but and then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in clouds of heaven with power and great glory. That happens in the 19th chapter when we read it, where He comes in power and great glory. So, He's saying then after that, the tribulation of those days, and after this uh, sun is darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars from heaven... Uh, are affected and all of these things happen and there's darkness over a third. Notice these things are happening in thirds. And as they do, there's a portion of these things that are affected. Now then, uh, also in Luke's Gospel, if you want to, uh, chapter 10. Now let's see, that's not the one I want. In Luke chapter 20... uh, Luke chapter 22, verses 25 through 28. Let's get that section. And Jesus is talking about the same thing. He says, And there shall be signs in the sun. Luke 22, I mean, no, I beg your pardon. It's Luke 21. Luke 21, verse 25. I don't know what I got there. 21. Luke 21, verse 25. And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars. And upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of heaven shall be shaken. That's what we were reading in Revelation. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now then, if you go back to Revelation chapter 8, again, let's look at that verse. Verse 12. And I've got to correct that. It's Luke 21 instead of verse uh, Luke 22. Luke 21, verse 25 through 28. Now, look in uh, Revelation, back in our text, hold your place where we're studying. Verse 12. And the fourth angel sounded, and the third part... Of the sun was smitten, third part of the moon, third part of the stars, so as the third part of them was darkened. Notice that word darkened, it's very important. And the day shone not for the third part of it, and the night likewise. In other words, even the moonlight at night was affected. Now then, you come down to verse 13, is the last verse of the 8th chapter. And I want you to notice this verse. It says, And I beheld and heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven. This is a literal messenger from God. 
about to give warning or giving a warning. And I beheld and I heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, here's going to cry out with a warning, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth by reason of the other voices of the trumpets of the three angels which are yet to sound. Now what's he saying here? He's saying these last three trumpets that are to sound. We've had four and there's seven, right? We've had the fourth angel sounded. So there's the fifth and sixth and seventh. But he says these last three carry with them woe, woe, woe. An intensity of the judgments. Greater judgments than we've already seen. More intense. More tragic. Escalated. More furious judgments than we've already seen. And he's sounding a warning that watch out for these next three uh, trumpet judgments that are going to come because he says, woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth. It's going to be more terrible. You know, when we think of the fact that you and I today, we'll get into this other chapter in just a moment and at least get started in it. When you think of the fact that you and I today are living in a day of an age of grace, whereby the only thing we have to do is receive the gospel by faith. The Bible says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. The Bible says, As many as received Him, receive Christ by faith. That's how you receive Him. To them gave He power the right, the power, word power, that means the right or the privilege to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. He gives you the right to claim to be a child of God if you receive Him by faith. Someone might say, well, that's presumptuous. No, it isn't. The Bible says, if we receive Him by faith, we have the right to call ourselves a child, uh, call uh, yourself a child of God. We have the privilege of doing that. And he does something. It doesn't mean that something really does, uh, doesn't happen just by, by that uh, receiving Christ by faith. Because it says, as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name. Listen, the next verse says, which were born. Which were born. Not of the flesh, not of water, not of blood, but of, but of Christ. Let's look in John chapter 1, verse 13. John 1. And we'll read it exactly as it is. John chapter 1. So it tells you exactly what happens to that person that receives Christ. Look. Verse 12. We'll read verse 12. It says, But as many as received Him, to them gave He power. That means the right or privilege. Power to become. To become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on His name. Which were born. Something happened when you, when you uh, received Him. Which were born. You're born again. Which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. You were born of God when that took place. So there was a divine miracle that was wrought when you received Christ. And so read those two verses coupled together. Now then, uh, the reason we said that is that during the tribulation period, it will be much harder for people to be saved. They'll have to lay their lives on the line. 
I mean, if they're going to be saved, uh, we read in our last lesson, or I think our last lesson, we pointed out the saved multitude of both Jews and Gentiles, and their souls were seen under the altar in heaven. In fact, those that group, if you want to turn to the 20th chapter of the book of Revelation, during the millennium, when there's that rule of uh, peace and righteousness, the 20th chapter, I want you to notice, in verse 4, it says, And I saw thrones, and they that sat upon them, and judgment was given to them. Now look, And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus. This is These are tribulation martyrs. These people accepted Christ during the tribulation period, and they were killed. It says, And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and which and which uh, had not worshipped the beast, they would not worship the Antichrist, neither his image, neither had received his mark in their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ, what? A thousand years. That's the millennium. So, we find that uh, those especially are pointed out that are saved during the tribulation period. And that's the way they end up. They end up martyrs, but they end up in the millennium in the presence of God. Remember, the resurrection has taken place and the restoration and the millennial kingdom has come in Revelation chapter 20. And we find that already the ones that Jesus brings back with Him from heaven... In the 19th chapter, come with Him in power and great glory, and they come back, and they are brought into, that's you and I, are brought into the millennium with those that are martyred, uh, and they are taken up to heaven when they are killed during the tribulation period, and they're brought back, and they're in the millennium, and also the uh, Israel that survives and goes through the tribulation period, protected by God, they enter into the millennium kingdom. So you have the saved Jews. And remember, Jesus spoke of, except those days be shortened, no flesh should be saved, but for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. It doesn't mean there will not be the seven years, but it means that they will be shortened or that God's people will be protected throughout that time, those that are upon this earth. And enter into that millennial kingdom. And then will be fulfilled, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. We're taught to pray that, aren't we? Amen. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And what does it say? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. So his kingdom will come. And we'll be a part of it. The Jews will be a part of it. The tribulation martyrs will be a part of it. The saved out of the tribulation are going to be a part of it. And they will live and reign with Christ, what? A thousand years. By the way, there are other things that we need to point out in Revelation chapter 20 that proves that those that are resurrected of this day and age of grace will be there too. It doesn't mean they alone, just the martyred saints, will be there a thousand years. But there are other elements that we need to bring out. When we get there, we will do that. See, I'm doing kind of like John was telling you the stories, aren't I? trying to tell you the story, the whole story with all these different faucets of truth. And, and uh, when we talk about certain individuals, 
uh, uh, that are saved during the tribulation, I have to go over there in the 20th chapter when they come to the millennium to show that that's where they are. And so that's what John was doing when he had the whole uh, revelation before him. After he'd opened that seventh seal, he says, now there's going to be seven trumpets of judgment. There's going to be seven uh, vials of judgment. There's going to be the, the last three of these uh, trumpet judgments are going to be more severe than the others. And he was trying to say it all at one time and it was impossible. So he had to deal with them as he came along with them. And now we're going to look at that ninth chapter, if you will. Verse 1. The ninth chapter in verse 1. It says, And the fifth angel sounded. Now, under the fifth angel, what does happen? Under the fifth angel, things become more bitter and more woe, woe, woe. When this fifth angel sounds, this fifth trumpet is sounded. When the fifth angel and the fifth angel sounded, and I, I saw a star fall from heaven to the earth, and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. I'll read verse 2 and then we'll come back. And he opened the bottomless pit, and there arose smoke out of the pit, and smoke of a great, as the smoke, as the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun uh, and the air was, were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. Now, this likely refers to Satan or Lucifer, which means Lucifer means brightness or morning star. Now, we're going to have to go slower as we deal with this because there are so many things that need to be brought out. Jesus himself said in Luke chapter 10, verse 18, look at Luke 10, verse 18. He says this. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. This star, as lightning or star fall from heaven. Back in the Old Testament, we find other references. In Isaiah 14, verse 12, it says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer? You have Lucifer mentioned. Son of the morning, or day star. Isn't it peculiar that, the, that Satan even tries to claim the same names? Jesus is the bright and morning star. And Satan claims he's the morning star too. That's why you have to be able to discern by the individual and by the context of the Scripture whether it's talking about the devil or the Lord. Someone said, well, you know, Satan claims to be the son of the morning. He's a bright morning star. His name, Lucifer, means brightness or a day star. Uh, when we read over in Peter, Peter says, until the day star arise in your hearts. He's talking there about Jesus. But it's used concerning Christ. So both of these thoughts are used concerning Satan and they're using, used concerning Christ. Just like in... Bear with me while I try to explain some things. When we talk about the Holy Spirit, when we talk about the Spirit, there's one word in the New Testament that, that says Spirit. Now then, the context will show you what Spirit is talking about. The word P-N-E-U-M-A means Spirit or wind. Okay? It's used in the New Testament of the spirit of man. We use a little letter, we, uh, lower case. We don't use a capital. Uh, Holy Spirit, we use the capital, don't we, for spirit. 
the Bible says the spirit of demons. The Bible says the spirit of man. All of these come from the same word. And the context and the meaning of it shows you who it's referring to. But it's all the same word. And just like this day star or brightness or morning star, Jesus is the bright and morning star. But the devil claims that too. And it's used concerning him too. Lucifer means old day star. But you have to discern who it's talking about. And we know that in this case, in the book of Revelation, uh, chapter 9 and verse 1, that it would have to be speaking of an evil power and not a good power. This star. The fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth, and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. God permits him to have it. If you want uh, two passages of Scripture of Lucifer, the devil that tries to exalt himself, let me go ahead and read what we have, and uh, let me give you the two, and then I'll go continue to read in the book of Isaiah. But Isaiah 14:12 and Ezekiel 28 verses 11 through 19. You find it Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28. That's two passages you can find it very definitely about. But let me give you this quickly and I will close because we won't have time to go any further. But in the book of Isaiah where we were reading, let's read verse 12 and on down and see what the devil did in in order to bring about this fall. In verse 12 it says how art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning, or O day star? The marginal reference says day star. How art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. He wanted to be better than God, exalt himself above God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. See, His purpose was to be like God and to worship the throne of God. And it says, Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the side.